Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So, we start the 20 off with an introduction to Rogue One. It's an abrupt intro where we see a plane, uh, sorry, a ship fly down on a planet that we don't really know. Uh, it's Imperials. They're flying to greet the Urso family, who has clearly been in hiding from them. Uh, they contact their friend Saw from the Rebels. Uh, Galen tells his wife Lyra and Jin to go hide, and he goes to face his old friend Krennic from the Empire once more. Basically, uh, Galen Urso has had some kind of impact on the development of the Death Star, which is the Empire's baby when it comes to weapon installation, but they need his help in finishing it, so that's what they're there for. They insist, Krennic that is, that they're going to take all of the Ursos to go be quote-unquote heroes of the Empire, but really it just means they're going to enslave him as uh, an employee to finish his work, which he refuses to do because it's unethical. So when uh, matters come to it, he shoots and kills Lyra Urso. Yeah, Lyra tries to stand up for Galen and say that you're not going to be able to take him away from us. And then we see kind of the true coldness of Krennic, and then he sends the Death Troopers after the daughter Jin, mm -hmm. who Lyra had sent to a very, very good hiding spot, which is in kind of like a, a well bunker underneath a rock. Uh, the Death Troopers can't find her, so uh, the Imperials leave with Galen Urso. And we see a flash to Saw Gerrera coming and rescuing little Jin. And then we flash forward to the future where she is imprisoned uh, by the Empire. She's kind of like a street rat. Yeah, she's imprisoned, but she's just kind of like getting by as basically an orphan. Uh, she's not a rebel. She's not uh, in the Empire. Meanwhile, we have this other storyline with Cassian Endor who is definitely a rebel, but he also kind of plays by his own rules. Yeah, so we see him getting information from one of his associates on an underbelly world, uh, and after he gets the information, they realize that they're cornered by Imperials, but this associate of his is injured, and so Cassian, knowing that they won't both be able to get out alive, shoots the guy so that he's able to get out quicker and ultimately without notice from the Empire. Uh, he does this directly in his back to show kind of the cold underside of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, at the same time, we see Jin then getting rescued by some Rebels, as well as a big droid we learn to be K2SO, who then takes Jin to Yavin 4, where she's introduced to some other characters that we've known from the past. Uh, she's kind of interrogated, basically, because they, they know that she's an Urso, and they know that there's a dubious Urso connection to the Empire. Uh, but she basically says, look, I don't know my dad. I don't know Saw Gerrera. I knew them in a, in a previous life. I'm good, but don't push me around. Exactly. Uh, we meet Bodhi Rook, and he's been an Imperial pilot that is kind of the catalyst for all this. He's defected with information from Galen Erso uh, about the planet-killing weapon, the Death Star. Uh, he's treated like a terrorist amongst Saw's crew, uh, and ultimately, because of that information, the Rebel Alliance now wants to reach out to Saw so that they can kind of band their information together to truly take down this super weapon and prevent it from destroying planets once and for all. Bodhi's taken in front of Saw. Saw doesn't really have the time of day for him, but we cut back to Jin, K2, and Cassian. One of the things I really like about this 20 is that it illustrates immediately that the rebels are, have not really figured out how to be virtuous good people yet. Like, yes, there are good people within the, the Rebel Alliance, obviously uh, Bail Organa, 
uh, Mon Mothma. These are probably like generally what all rebels should strive to be. Yeah. Princess Leia. Um, but Saw Gerrera is completely off his rocker. Mm-hmm. And even Cassian, who ultimately I love, and I can't wait to learn more about him in the TV show, shooting your buddy in the back is a thing that they wouldn't have been ballsy enough to get Han Solo to do. No. Well, it's, it is exactly... Well, the reason why they do that is 100% a show, a throw, a throw to Han shoots first. I think so. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like right in your face. It's not like, oh, it was him or me. It was, uh, oh, no, no. This is for the bigger cause. Yeah. I need to get out, not because I need to get out. I need to get out because one of us needs to get out with the information. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And you can see the, like, just how much he hates doing it. It disgusts him. But you can also see how familiar he is with it. But it's a shocking thing to witness as the first introduction of this character who ultimately doesn't do anything that morally compromised for the rest of the movie. But they supposed to. Yes, but they establish that he is willing to cross that line, and then ultimately he's a hero for the rest of the exactly. film. And so I kind of forgot that he did that. I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, and having just watched Solo and then watched the first 20 minutes of this movie, I was reminded how good Rogue One is. Oh, it's it's so much better. I have written down here that the stakes... like we don't. I don't give a shit about any of these characters. No, not really. I don't give a shit about any of them. Whereas Solo is starting out with characters who I loved. Mm-hmm. And yet the stakes of this movie were more important in the first 20 minutes than the entire fucking solo movie. Yeah. Because it matters. It has a necessity. It has an impact on the galaxy as a whole. Well, and it hinges on the most important storyline we've ever known in Star Wars. That definitely helps. But at the same time, like the Kessel Run doesn't matter. No. It does not matter in the grand scheme it's a wink. of why the galaxy is the way it is. Now, if you wanted to tell a story about hyperspace... That has a huge impact on the galaxy, but that was not the story we were told. Right. And we were told this kind of story about the underside of the empire, the underside of the galaxy, but it only kind of just showed us glimpses of it, but in a way that we had already seen before, whereas Rogue One just dives headfirst into all those things, and Solo touches on a couple of them again, but it doesn't flesh them out the way Rogue One really does. And that's what's so good about it is you get immersed into the lived-in world it gives me a lot of hope uh certainly for the cassian show and also for the mandalorian and just in general for star wars's ability to grow beyond the skywalker story notwithstanding the solo movie like this movie really feels adjacent to star wars absolutely absolutely like it doesn't have the same characters and that's one of the best things about star wars is the characters yeah Uh, and it does have vader in little bits but but aesthetically and stylistically 100 and just tonally it really is the kind of movie where if you watch this and then watch the original trilogy right after it flows perfectly it really really does absolutely and how do you do that how do you pull something off where it's like released 35 years later i know and you're able or 40 years later uh, and you're able to really get that exact same vibe uh even more than ever could have been done with even the prequels for that matter i really love when we coldly cut into the movie from the i hate uh, it a long time ago in a galaxy far far away you don't like it eh? i hate it what's I hate, wrong with I it i hated the title uh and i hated uh, you the, just hate the font I hate the font. I thought it looked like it was done on Word. It's a little Helvetica-y. Yeah, it's yeah. really weird. Uh, and then I, I, although I do like the music, it, that's it it's sounds, perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very epic. Uh, but no, I love what Solo did. I think that's the perfect uh, for anything that is um, just kind of like different way to expose 
uh, content? Well, I just, I like it because it still fits with that same look of the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It doesn't necessarily have the same epic, episodic feel that the crawl does. And I think that you can find that way, whereas if you use the crawl only for trilogies, and I think all Star Wars movies moving forward should and probably will be told in trilogies, but if they ever do more movies that don't, that aren't trilogies or TV shows, I think this is the way it should be. I think this is what the like episode intros should be for like the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, sorry, when I say this, I'm referring to the solo um, crawl right. replacement. Whereas what was done for Rogue One, it's just... You didn't like that it had a cold open? I didn't like the punch. Uh, I, I, I like the cold open in the sense of like they do a time period and then they do the title. And with Sol- Solo does that as well. Yeah. I just, I didn't like the... The punch. Yeah, that big note. That- you know what? I I did like it, and this might just be me grasping at straws, but I'll tell you why. We always enter a Star Wars movie amidst some kind of conflict. Like, there is always action already happening. These folks have already had a goddamn morning mm-hmm. when we join our heroes always. in Star Wars. And yet, we softly come in off the crawl, we drift through space, the camera glides, and then we find the action when we're ready. In this movie, it's been quiet. The Urso farm, is they've been hiding. Mm. And yet we decide, its uh, for some reason, we juxtapose it with this intense cut that is very different from how we normally introduce our, our Star Wars characters. I just think that it separates this story from the other ones in a neat way. Well, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, and I never really saw it in that way. Uh, I definitely like the intention to, to make it separate but still feel the same. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I feel like in certain ways they executed it better for Rogue One within the movie, but kind of the construct solo was maybe a little bit better Okay. Uh, in that, well, I mean, we're still a little early on and there was some excellent use of aliens in Rogue One even already in, right. in this first 20. But if we're talking uh, about like the formatting of a Star Wars adjacent movie, I don't really love the, uh, the little chirons to say what planet we're on. Uh, that's not Star Warsy at all. No, and and neither, by the way, is they have. I mostly like the cinematography like in this movie, but I don't. I don't like the shot. I don't exactly remember what the uh, the 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 ring of Kafrani is. That how it's pronounced? Yeah. That when is we a cut super Thor Ragnarok, it's shot. Thor Ragnarok. Exactly. Is that what you have down? Well, not exactly that, but like it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It feels more Marvel's Avengers. It almost feels like Star Trek. JJ's Star Trek. It, it, it doesn't feel like a Star Wars shot. It's blue. It feels like a hidden base of Thanos's. Yes. It, it's two it, asteroids with like a structure connecting them, and it's, it's weird. Yeah. It, what was it called? You say the the ring of Kafrun or something? Kafrani, I think. K e f r e n e. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's where Cassian kills uh, kills his associate. Right. Now I will say it's fun. The third time we see one of these uh, placement Chirons because it's Yavin Four. Yes, which is an awesome throwback. It doesn't really look like Yavin Four. It's not really a a landscape of Yavin Four we've seen before. I mean, it does look like it, but like oh, I love like when you see the guy, um, the rebel who's like waving them in with the helmet uh, on the helmet. It's so a New Hope, and yeah, Return of the Jedi. I just I adore it. That's fair. Uh, okay, now let's back up to. Um, when Krennic first arrives, he yes. actually seems very menacing. He seems like a very efficient enforcer. We later learn in this movie, he's kind of a scrub. He is, but Ben Mendelsohn is an incredible in this movie. He's so good. Because Krennic is, like you said, he is kind of a 
he's kind of he's like third tier. Yeah, he he's a bit of a loser yeah. in in the Empire. Yeah. Whereas at the same time, he's such a good actor that we're kind of like he's able to fit this villainous role for this movie and have like kind of weight to it. Whereas like Dryden Voss, he was a little bit menacing, yeah. but already Krennic feels more like a Star Wars villain than Dryden Voss did. Caleb, you're an inspired scientist, but you're a terrible liar. Now, I admire the effort, I really do. Oh, look, here's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. That's definitely true. To be fair, Dryden Ross was playing something new. He was playing an associate of a different culture than the Empire, which is so Star Wars. Yeah, I, I guess so. I was just in, in referring to kind of the the bad of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's a Sith Lord or it's like a Nazi style Imperial. Right, like a yeah, and he definitely fits the. You oh, know, he does. The he does. Nazi with a project. You know what? He takes a bullet like a champion. Like yes, he does. Very rarely in Star Wars can you can you shoulder a blaster and not die. Like usually blaster shots kill you. Yeah, they really can. A lot of the time, and I mean, in Star Wars, it's done to kill. You can do that as well. But, right. Uh, even in the first scene when uh, stormtroopers shoot Leia. My Padawan question for you was, in fact, what is Jyn Erso's uh, mother's name? Oh, Lyra? Lyra, so we already kind of covered that. Okay, well, I've got uh, I've got a bunch of uh I've got a I got a bunch of Do you want to go into that now? Good trivia. Yeah, let's go into okay, it. Okay, sure, sure. Do you want to uh, go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, I had as one of my backups actually was the the Ring of Kafreen was it was a backup night question. Okay. But my first uh, Padawan question for you. What was Krennic's exact order when he told the troopers to execute Lyra? Oh. Uh do it? You will never win. Do it. Yeah. Classic, do it. classic Star Wars, do it. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, you're right, it is classic Star Wars. It also implies that we've already talked about this. Yes, it is. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Because he knew, of course, if there was any resistance whatsoever, kill him. I'm not going to be sorry about this. No. He, would he have taken them safely, pa- passively? I think he would have, because uh, we do show uh, a kind of a flashback to when Jin's a really little kid. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of makes, it, it, it makes sense that there was likely, Krennic would have been okay with Galen coming back and pretending as if nothing happened. Right. Krennic would have been cool with that. Right. Because he would get his top engineer, and, and in theory, they were friends. There's something about Mads Mikkelsen that I I just, I don't like. I, I don't want to say that he's too generic because he's so specific. <laughs> he's the opposite he of generic. But the, he's, there's also something very B-movie about him to me. There's something very um, villain to Jason Statham about him to me. I could not disagree with you more. Really? I think there is nothing B-movie about Mads Mikkelsen. I think he is, I think he actually carries a weight about him where he is one of the more underrated actors that would command an absurd amount of respect from his colleagues and from the industry as a whole and just what he brings to the screen. You I mean as a member of Star Wars culture. I no, I just I think just in general as a, like the his presence I have no doubt he's a good guy. No, 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 but I mean his presence as an actor. Yeah. Uh, I although he may not be in blockbusters, I don't see it necessarily from the B movie perspective. I see it as he's choosing projects and that he is a very smart actor 
and the quality of his work speaks for itself. And so I don't necessarily see it as a B-movie thing. I see it as being him more of a selective actor. I guess I just don't see anything leading man about him. No. Uh, to be honest, I think it's the wrong role for him. Yeah. I think he's perfect for Star Wars. I mean, his brother, I'm dying to be Thrawn. Right. Uh, but I think he's great for Star Wars as an overall. I don't think this was necessarily the right role. Just kind of a waste, maybe. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's because the reason why he's he's such a good actor, he needs to be a character that's either going to be a villain, and so you can really play up like what he did in Casino Royale, which was incredible. Oh, he is good in Casino Royale. That's yeah, a good point. He's damn good in Casino Royale. Yeah. Or if you wanted to make him a good guy, you need to make him a good guy in a way that's much more creative. Well, he's or make him Saw Gerrera. He would have been way better. That's honestly a great point. Although you can't use the exact same character because Saw was consistent from Clone Wars, which is the reason why. That was the one good thing about Saw Gerrera. Right, was that they used a character that already existed. Saw Gerrera's role in this movie was kind of truncated after the big edit. Big right? time. Yeah. Do we have any idea what else he was supposed to do in this movie? Not really. Uh, just his role was supposed to be more significant. There are shots of him with a beard, without a beard, bald, not um, not bald, with a big poofy hair. Where does he live, respective to the Urso firm? Because she just like crawls through a tunnel, and there he is. I mean, I guess they kind of called him in. Oh yeah, yeah, they called him in. He's, yeah, she's just waiting there for a few days, and he's coming to their farm. Why do he and Jin have a falling out? Just because he's so crazy? Yeah, he's a lunatic. Yeah, he is like he's a total zealot, uh, and the f he's the reason why the Empire has any ability to paint the rebels in a bad light to certain parts of the galaxy. Right, and that's what like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa they, they freaking hate is because he's fragmenting the rebels. And he's essentially either turning people into terrorists or he's just making the rebels all look like terrorists. Right. Which ultimately just feeds the fire of the empire. Yeah. He's ultimately very deconstructive. Yeah. So just to finish up what I wanted to say about, about Mads Mikkelsen, he's, he's, he's kind of like a cowboy. The character himself is mm. like clearly a badass, and that's fine, I guess, if they wanted to depict him that way. I almost wonder if it would have been more effective if he was like a Wayne Zielinski. If he was like, if he was pushed around by the Empire for his whole career and finally was going to take a stand, but ultimately he didn't have as much of a backbone as his daughter. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think that would be better than him like basically having an eye patch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of know what you mean. Uh, it's, he doesn't seem to have enough, like, it doesn't, there's not really emotional weight to him being dragged away. No. Uh, like it almost, like, yes, he does. He is kind of a, he's a huge element of this. And the fact that it's the father daughter relationship that allows her to be able to gather the information needed later in the movie. But they, I definitely feel like they don't do a good enough job hitting that home in the first like three seconds. No. Because it's, he's just not a a warm looking person so no. he's not going to convey that fatherly thought so the role just in my opinion is bad casting but i think he would have been killer in another role in star wars what do you think of his nickname for Jin, which is stardust i fucking hate it i don't like it either it's a neil gaiman book which is which is very fantastical and so i think for a lot of people of a certain type it's it's indelibly associated with Neil Gaiman. Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't know that at all. So. Um, it. I don't. I don't really see the value of it in this story, other than that it turns up later as some code word. Yeah. Right. It's a password. That's that de it. That decrypts the Death Star. Yeah. It's the. I think the what's called the Laser Project or something. Yeah. We could have found some other way to do that. 
it could have been her name. <laughs> like it could have like it didn't have to be some corny nickname. Yeah, it could have been. But then, are you gonna possibly have a Luke Skywalker and a Jin Stardust and a Biggs Dark Lighter? Well, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. We already we already set the precedent. Why not? I guess. Um, however, Stardust. I mean, it's just too convenient. Death Star blowing up planets, turning oh, them to dust. That's a good point. Like. <laughs> That's a really good point. Oh yeah, like that's part of like it, it works on a lot of levels. But it doesn't regard. work for that reason because because then you make Stardust insidious, not not like a a darling nickname for your beloved daughter. Well, it's just convenient, I guess. Like it's it's how he's able to kind of just. I mean, it doesn't work perfectly. It's no. not the kind of reveal they want it to be. It's not. It's not beautiful in its serendipity when you realize, but. Now, speaking of the Death Star, uh, and going back to Cassian, how exactly are kyber crystals involved in the, the weaponry of the Death Star? An Imperial pilot, one of the cargo drivers he defected yesterday, is telling people they're making a weapon. The kyber crystals, that's what they're for. What kind of weapon? Look, I have to go! What kind of weapon? A planet killer! Oh, they power the laser. Is that right? Yeah. So kyber crystals are really very multifaceted. They're oh. very diverse. Oh, they're insanely powerful. I mean, they're, they're almost always used for weapons, though. Uh, Plasters? The, well, no, the, no, God, no, way too valuable for that. Okay. Uh, the Jedi pretty much had a hold on the kyber control for the galaxy. Actually, that's one of the parts that's kind of highlighted in Master and Apprentice. Really? Uh, but specifically, yeah, for, like, Ilum was a planet where the Jedi would generally go to find their lightsaber crystals, their kyber crystals. It's very widely believed that Ilum is Starkiller Base. Okay. Because Ilum was a planet that was featured in Clone Wars and Legends. It's a snowy planet. Do uh, they not ever say what planet Starkiller Base was? No, they Interesting. don't. Interesting. But it's a planet where they've been able to dig the mines and core it out to be able to use the kyber. This makes sense. So it just makes per perfect sense that it's what the Jedi used for 10,000 years to find their lightsaber crystals. Right. And then the friggin' First Order destroys it all <laughs> well and Ky kylo ren would want to do that yeah of course but there's also a bunch of other the emperor would want to do that yes uh but there are still some kyber crystals elsewhere like clearly on Jeddah here uh but that's what the empire has been doing this time is to, they're taking away the ability for anybody else to use kyber against them and they're using kyber against everyone right where is this fallen structure this the statue is it a jedi what is it? Who is it? Why is it? Uh, I didn't do the research on that. It is an ancient Jedi. It's on Jeddah. Uh, it's a sacred moon Jeddah. And so it has a lot of history for the Jedi. It looks it, like like a robed Obi-Wan Kenobi or a robed older Luke Skywalker. Like it's kind of that classic bearded. Yes. Supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, it, I 100% believe and it would be a massive, massive, massive mistake if... One of the series, whether that be the Old Republic or if we're doing something that is like Origin of Jedi and Sith like 10,000 years ago, uh, it's an idiotic move if Jedi is not a central place in a future Star Wars story. I think, yeah. It needs to be because they're, they've set it up to be very significant. Same with Octu, um, but neither of these places we know enough about the history, especially Jedi. Like, we don't learn much about Jeddah at all in this movie. We learn a little bit about it through some of, like, the comics and some of the other stories that are centered around Rogue One. But as an overall, the history thousands and thousands of years ago, it looks like there's a lot to mine there that we just are just scratching the surface. And that's, I think, what the statue's supposed to be. It's supposed to tell you that 
um, the significance of this yeah, place. And things have happened here. I have two more nitpicks about the Urso farm. What are they farming? There is no lack of moisture in this landscape. Good point. They have the turbines that are, they look exactly like the things we use to, to mine moisture. Crap. I'm, I'm annoyed at myself for not looking up what they were mining. I saw what they were or farming. Uh, farming. Yeah. Farming, yeah. But they're distinctly farming. It's the quiet life. Yeah. I understand. I don't know what they're farming. I also don't think that Galen Urso would allow his daughter to have a plush stormtrooper. No. Which is just imperial propaganda. Yeah. And he is against the empire now. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. However, she also was probably raised to some degree by the empire. And so he's probably tried to shield how evil the empire is up until this point i guess it wouldn't shock me if she was just kind of snatched away and taken there as a little little kid and wasn't really told the reason behind it right it'll explain something at least on what planet does Jin meet cassian Jin meets cassian on she meets cassian on yavin 4 I see. What is Wanabi? Because I wrote Wanabi, but now I'm thinking about it, and it seems like it would be Yavin uh, Four. So Wabani. Wabani. So Wabani is um, that's where K2SO and the rebels rescue her. Maybe that's what I meant. Yeah. So she's on her way to um, it's like an Imperial concentration camp. Um, they introduce us to like a bunch of different places all at once, and it's kind of hard to keep them. Yeah, it's an steady. imperial labor camp that that's where Jenner so is on her way to when K2SO and the other rebels break her transport out. Uh, and so, right from there, they just go to Yavin 4. Right. There's really not a whole lot of. They almost maybe could have cut that out. They totally could have made it a different world. They didn't, I think need, so. they didn't need to make it a, its own separate place. They could right. have just made it one of the other worlds that we've been on. Right, exactly. They Their could've... whole planets, for God's sake. Yeah, you could have just. Or kept. <laughs> or had Cassian. Um, Friggin' shoot his friend, uh, shoot his associate on the same body. Yes. Yeah. Okay, give me a trivia. What is Jin's alias? You're currently calling yourself Liana Halleck. Is that correct? That's my master question. Oh, damn. It's okay. Liana Halleck. Liana Halleck. Okay. Well, I will ask you a different night question. What's distinctive about that name, Le- Liana Halleck? It just kind of sounds like a, a human name. It does. It doesn't sound Star Warsy at all. Not really, no. No. Well, Halleck, I guess, kind of works, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's certain names, like, whereas like, uh, like Zori Bliss. We'll get into that in a little bit, but like that does not sound like Star Wars name to me. I was thinking about this uh, last week about how much uh, George R. R. Martin got away with giving Game of Thrones characters completely ordinary names, like, like John and and John's like, like the oldest fucking name in the world. I know, but they're just like really human names and like. And then Daenerys. Yeah, but they call her Danny a lot. Yeah. Do they and, in the show? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. And I just assumed that that was a fan thing. No, no. They call her that. Oh, that's weird. And, and like... Because that's, like... That's, Bran- that's Bran is, super modern. Bran is short for Brandon. What? Oh, yeah. Seriously? There's tons of them. Rob Stark, Ned Stark. Well, his name is Eddard, isn't it? Yeah, but he goes by Ned. Well, okay, that would have made sense. And the Rob one, also, I always thought was a little weird that it wasn't Robert. I had no idea Bran was Brandon. It's Brandon. And that makes this... That that changes a lot. I that feel is, like there are other examples too, but yeah, that's really stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. <laughs> but maybe it's not because like he can make the own, his own rules, and like also Star Wars has them too. Like the the are they uh, gonna have like a Dylan and a Connor next? Well, I hope not. But like, I don't like that we chose the name Finn, 
And I don't like that we na- we chose the name Ezra. Those are millennial pretty little liar names. I like the reason as to why they did Ezra. Um, the point being there is they chose a name that was popular that for the age group at the time. The same way Luke and Leia were chosen in that same kind of way, or Luke at least. Luke was maybe. Yeah, but when you have kind of that, like, it's a generational thing. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think it shows that, like, Ezra was kind of, like, for people who grew up on, Rez, on, I think on the, Rebels. I think the rules are different now from... from Ezra doesn't seem remotely non-Star Wars-y to me, though, either. Oh, it does for me. Yeah, see, Finn, I, I get that a little bit more. Um, yeah, his name might as well be, like, Jackson. Well, no. Jackson, Maine. I, di- I disagree there. Finn is a hell of a lot better than, like, a Jackson or, like, a Cooper <laughs> or like, it, yeah. yeah, no, that's what it feels like. It, but Finn, like, at least we know where it came from, too, right? Whereas Poe named him that, okay, which kind of works that it would be. Yeah, but that's a brutal line, and we'll talk about that next it is, season. It is a brutal, but line. it it's sucks. One, it is one of the worst lines in all of the Disney lines. Yeah, because uh, that is one of the things when it comes to you can you can criticize story arc that Disney has done, but their dialogue is generally fantastic. So right. I don't really have a whole lot of other uh, I still have things some questions are... for you. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, who gives the instruction for Cassian to kill Galen? Um, oh, is it, is it Mon Mothma? Nope. It's General Draven. General Draven. I don't even recognize that name. I didn't realize his first name was Davids. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Davids without... The D, it's a T, Davids. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a Star Wars it's name. A Star Wars name, exactly. Yeah. It's okay uh, if you like modify a name slightly. Yeah, he's the um, he's the he's the third guy. He's when it's Cassian Mon Mothma and the other rebel talking to Jin. Okay. He's the other rebel. How gratifying it is it when Jimmy Smith shows up? Oh my god, it, it won the twenty for me. Yeah, it's and a good moment. He's becoming one of my favorite characters in Star Wars because in terms of what of you've the, read. Yeah, what I've read, but also just the significance of the character to everything to leia uh to the rebellion uh to just that time and that shift between the clone wars and the and and the rebellion and and the empire's reign there and what he meant for hope in the galaxy totally but also yeah like you said those stories it's really allowed the character to be someone who who who's I'm just trying to think of the, the right word here, but uh, yeah, I, I know what the word is. He's underrepresented in mainstream Star Wars, and and that's yeah. that's really a great crime because he is so important to the story. And like, I think the layman has to struggle to remember the name Bail Organa. Yes, that's definitely, and that's true. really fucked up. It is because it's some. He has a significant role. He has an important uh, relation to like one of the main characters in all of Star Wars. But yeah, that that's definitely a good <laughs> point. I think the main reason what I was trying to get back to say with him was. He comes from a perspective of sanity. Yes. Everything that he says makes sense. Everything that he says is <laughs> relevant in the political landscape of the movie, but also relevant in the political landscape now. And just generally everything he says you can snip out and is a just good, wholesome thing to say and is like kind of leading by positivity. We haven't seen him be especially flawed yet, though. He's not overly flawed, Baylor guy. We could work on that. Like, because everybody should be a little flawed, and we could, we yeah, could. Yeah, and there is some flaws in terms of the amount of information that he does and doesn't share with Leia. 
uh, and the times in which he does share it and whether or not it's the right thing to do. Could we and see him in the Cassian show or in the... I would be pissed if he's not in that. It would be weird for him I not to be, be in pissed. it. Yeah, he's kind of like, he fits right into it. He should be like a semi-regular. He should be at least in like two episodes uh, in the first season. Yeah. Um, that would be really weird if not because he's... He's, he's around. The age works. He's the leader of the rebellion. It just fits. Might be harder to get him in the Mandalorian. Um, Who knows? Oh, sorry. Well, he'd be dead. Oh, okay. So that wouldn't work. When's the Mandalorian? Is it post? Yeah, the Mandalorian is uh, six years after Battle of Yavin. Oh, I didn't know that. Or six years after Battle of Endor, one of the two, I think. Either or, that's more interesting than I thought. It was just going to be kind of in the same Rogue One. Yeah, zone. no, I think it's like two, I think it's six years after Battle Yavin, which would be like two or three years after uh, Battle of Endor. Right. Um, so no, that that'll definitely be interesting. But I I do think that Mandalorian will have a similar vibe to Rogue One. Right. Uh, in terms of kind of the, the rugged sides of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'd say Bail Organa is when it comes to his biggest flaw would be not telling Leia that Darth Vader was her father. Yeah. Because later she finds out like. The hard way. The hard way. And then the rest of the galaxy finds out, like... You could do it. You could write... a really a, shitty way. You could write a really easy story that explains why he does that. And it's just a family value story. It's just... I, 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 this is my kid. I love her. I want to protect her. I hate that guy. Of course it's explained. It, it, yeah. is, it is explained in, in Bloodline. And it's, of course, you feel for Leia because it's bullshit the way she's treated. But at the same time... You feel for him. He's dead at this point, but you right. also feel for the understanding of everybody else in the galaxy that it's going to be a little hard to trust the senator who has been keeping it hidden that she is the blood daughter of, you know, true the second in command to Hitler. Right. That's not the best look. <laughs> yeah. Especially when she knew it and kept it hidden. Right. Okay, we should we should go through some quotes. There's not yes. a ton of great quotes, which is not to say it wasn't a well-written script. There's just not a lot of punch. No, and I, that might just be because I'm used to hearing a lot of David Crusoe lines in the last Star Wars movie we watched. Yeah, Krennic and K2 are my all of the lines I have. Uh, yep, yeah, so uh, uh, Sagarreras says, my child, come. We have a long ride ahead of us. That's a great inciting action it, it, line. It, that is a good line, actually, yeah. It's kind of a good episode title if you wanted to use it. Oh, no, we have to use the classic Krennic line. You're a hard man to find, Galen, but farming. Really? Man of your talents? <laughs> that is kind of good. That is my That's pretty favorite. good. Uh, I like to think he's dead. It's, uh, it's easier this way. I never had the luxury of political opinions is a good line. That is a good line. Uh, congratulations, you are being rescued. Please do not resist. <laughs> <laughs> I find that answer vague and unconvincing. You're letting her keep it? Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you? It's high. It's very high. <laughs> <laughs> Trust goes both ways. Yeah. Um, you're confusing peace with terror. Well, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. These that, are these are well-written lines. Yeah, those are all good lines. And like, there's some that, are some that definitely have some classic Star Wars elements to them. Um, yeah. No, I think this, this 20 just goes to show you that abandoning the notion of Star Wars stories may have been the right decision in favor of trilogies. However, there is absolutely tons of hope for Star Wars outside of the Skywalkers. There is. There is, absolutely. And there's probably going to be a couple of dull 20s in this movie. Certainly the last two will be great. Um, maybe the next couple episodes of this podcast we won't have as much to say. I guess we'll yeah. find out. No, that's it's a good point. Because like, when, I, when I think about it, it's, like, it, it is a kind of movie where you would assume there would be a lot of 20s that maybe don't have a whole lot going on because that last, that third act is so incredible. But... 
I don't know. This is a pretty damn good 20, so it I'm was. excited for the next one. It was great. Uh, just have my master question for you here. Uh, what did uh, Saw say to Bodie Rook uh, as the final thing he said uh, to him in the 20? It's some non-English word. Bogalik. And and Bodie Brook doesn't doesn't know what it means either. But no. it, it basically means take him away, right? Or like almost. Yeah. He says Bogali. Bogali, which is an alien species. It's this big purpley monster thing that uh, reads your mind and in the process kind of makes you go crazy. Oh, and okay. so he's basically just saying well, we're not sure he'll tell us the truth. So as opposed to even risking torture. it, let's just torture him. Yeah. Like, as opposed to anything, as opposed to, like, just asking him, he immediately goes to, let's just torture the info out of him. That way we'll know it's right. Wow. <laughs> I think Riz Ahmed could have been a bigger character in Star Wars, too. He's a good actor. He is a good actor. And then that's kind of the difficult thing with Star Wars. And it's interesting where I'm curious about, like, Dominic Monaghan. Yeah. Is he going to be insanely inconsequential in The Rise of Skywalker. No, he's not going to be insanely inconsequential because JJ's a good writer. Nothing's that matterless, but you probably won't see him again. No, but I mean, like, is like, because it looks like he's going to be in the resistance from a sticker that was seen. So is he just going to be like next to Kelly Marie Tran in like HQ while Lando and Poe are in the Falcon? They didn't hire him not to at least deliver a few zippy lines. But my point is a few zippy lines or someone who could potentially have been one of the main characters in a Star Wars trilogy. I guess. And as an actor. So it's always that kind of trade off where Yes, it's awesome to be in Star Wars, but like, are you giving up for a five-minute screen role where you potentially could have had a more fulfilling one? It's Star Wars; you don't pass on the opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Like, if you if you do a small role in a random episode of Agents of Shield, you never get to be in a Marvel movie. Like, even no. if you become a movie star, you're never gonna get to play another character. Well, and that's the thing is, you want to have that like a line, and there are certain people who could maybe pull it off, uh, like aliens and such. Like Lupita Nyong'o, for example, could 100% play someone else in Star Wars. Would they do that, though? They wouldn't because she's a character of significance and is an insanely, like... Well, there are a couple of people who, who have played a few different characters, like, say, uh, Warwick Davis. Yeah, but A-lister. Oh, yeah. There's no, no A-listers who have ever played multiple characters. No. Peter Capaldi was, like, an extra in an episode of Doctor Who years before he played the That's Doctor. Funny. Yeah. I, actually, I, I, I don't know why I looked into it, but I looked into Doctor Who today to see the episode ratings for the most recent season with the new doctor yeah shit well you have to take that with a grain of salt I know. though oh no because no. of the trolls oh no no i know but it's like it's such a like you look at that in game of thrones they're like two most recent seasons yeah with bitchy fans i know but it's like it's it's interesting because i mean it's consistent all the way up until that point for the first seven seasons i mean yeah, I don't know. I see through that. I, I I don't know if I could take that with any kind of seriousness. I'd have to see for myself. Yeah, it's always interesting to kind of see where those numbers come from. Should but we it, talk about the news? We should get into this. Yeah, well, we do have a lot of it, so that is a fair okay. point. We're long in the tooth tonight. Yeah, well, it's been a little bit of a long go. Um, let's see. So Galaxy's Edge opened up for some press people. There's not really a whole lot to say because nobody really can see a whole lot. Everything is really expensive and... Uh, you made a good point the it's other day. It's booked. like it may as well not be open. Yeah, for me, it's not open until it's, you know, not, accessible. Not at least two years. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the two-year number is the one that most people jokingly throw out there. So it seems. So like... in two years, it's going to be pretty busy too. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly my thought. Yeah. Uh, make Solo Two happen. 
Oh my God! What? Do, okay, let's not talk about this for long. No, that's right. Make um, Solo Two happen. It's a positivity thing, and I'm in favor of that. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. There yeah. are a lot of people who seem to talk about Solo with a "it's better than I expected" tone. Yeah. I just think it's wrong. I think it's the wrong. I think that's the wrong hill to die on. Yeah. Well, it's the absolutely. It's the weakest hill we currently have in Star Wars. Yeah. So don't die on that one. Right. But. I, th- I think it could work in a television format, Disney Plus-wise, and I don't want it to be solo too, but I think you can finish some of those and continue some of those story arcs and plot threads through Disney Plus. Give me more Kira. Yes, essentially Kira yeah. and Maul. Right. We, we all want to know what happens with those two characters. I do not want to see more Han. Nope. Because it didn't work. So. It's also, this is the other reason we don't need to belabor this conversation. It was one of, it was maybe Star Wars' biggest failure in 42 years. Yeah. They're never going to touch it again with the 10-foot pole. It almost unraveled their entire operation. That's not true at all. Well, it is. I mean, it, it's not like it destroyed Star Wars, but they had to go back and regroup. The only reason they had to do that was because of The Last Jedi. What about the last Jedi? Oh, because of the the backlash. Yes, Solo would not have had as significant. It would have not have been as noticeable of a hit had it not been for the last Jedi. So you mean a dive? Well, yeah. Well, no. But even still, even if it had not performed like well, even if it had still performed poorly, but the last Jedi had gone over better with audiences, Solo would not have been as disastrous. But because the last Jedi was a commercial success and a critical divide Mm -hmm. the ability the fact that solo was then a massive commercial failure just pushed it off the edge of the cliff yeah so i i think every factor in the world worked against it and i don't necessarily i don't think i think that's a little let's say got close to unraveling things a little much i don't know i'm again i'm not saying it destroyed star wars i'm I'm saying i'm saying that it forced them to second guess every single choice they were making for the future of star wars yeah that is true definitely definitely made them which, second which guess. is probably a good thing because i don't want them getting cocky don't get cocky kid yeah. now do we talk about the old republic no the new video we game. we haven't talked about that no not the new video game old video game the yeah, and yeah. so uh leta caligridis it's the best attempt i'm gonna go at it as her name she was one probably of the right- lita uh no, I think it's. I think it might be later. Okay. Uh, just to, I could be wrong though. All right. Yeah. Um, she has a Star Wars name. Yeah, it's L A E T A. Okay. Um, but I think she might be Greek. I think I heard that somewhere. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. I would uh, think so. so she's one of the writers on Avatar. Uh, she was one of the individuals who adapted Shutter Island. Um, Alita: Battle Angel is a recent project first. Uh, and so she has been believed. It's believed that she has been tasked with writing a trilogy. Uh, that is adapting the Knights of the Old Republic video game into a trilogy of movies. Man, that would be cool. And so this could be the Dan and Dave trilogy that she was hired by them to do the writing in which they will adapt from there to kind of build out the overall lore with Ryan Johnson. Potentially she's been hired by just Disney as an overall and this is something that they want to have in the hopper as a project that they can start upon and they can build out from that galaxy. Or maybe it's one where they want to have that so that Dan and Dave have something to build off of. Yeah. Whereas this could be released upon later on. So who knows? There's so many things that this could be. There's so many things that are probably in development there. But BuzzFeed had a reliable reporter uh, cross-reference this with a few different sources, and it seemed to 
spread across the internet and was never refuted. So no, I'm, and also everyone's on board. Yeah, no, no one is saying well, that's a bad idea. That's what some people have thought is too it, good to be true. Well, no, it was put out there. Yeah, it was them finally doing the smart thing and being like, let's intentionally leak something to gauge whether or not this is going to be despised, like the concept of solo was, or it's going to be loved. I mean, conceptually it's going over extremely well. Yeah. And so they know, okay, this is the right time frame. Well, and this is the difference between listening to the fans and listening to the trolls. Yeah. Because this is what fans have been asking for for decades. Yeah. Not reactionary. This is not us being, this is not fans being like, oh, that's not my Luke Skywalker. Well, the best part about this is also is there's no Luke Skywalker for anyone to fuck up. Nope, that's right. However, and this is something that is also a microphone debate, a little closer to, is there could be I mean, is it going to be a direct adaptation? Is it going to be pulling those characters? Is it going to be pulling the time period? Is there much story in the Knights of the Old Republic? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's tons of story, and there's lots of great characters. And so it's interesting. Will they use the characters? Will they use the story, the beats of the story? Like, what parts are they going to adapt? Because then you potentially do open up the can of worms of, is it better or worse than the stories of before? Is it talent rehashing something that already existed? Is it missing out on an opportunity to retell that story to so many people who don't know it. And so what I'm excited about is a lot of Jedi's is like a populace and a lot of Sith. is a populace of Jedi and Sith in like the, in the complicated biblical days. Yeah. In the Sith Jedi wars. I need you to bring your microphone closer to you. It's kind of drooping there. There you go. You're sitting on your feet now. That's part of the problem. You're good. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Is this a little better now. Yep. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting, and I'm all on board for it. I I don't know whether that when that means it'll be, but uh, just kind of a wait and see. My guess is I'm, we'll probably find out more about. It. We could find out about it at D twenty three, which is which is Disney's Comic Con for Disney properties only. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. So when is this? Uh, it's July, I think. Okay. And so Man. generally they do Star Wars stuff at Star Wars Celebration and then a smaller announcement maybe at D23. Right. And so it wouldn't shock me if maybe they brought Dan and Dave out and did like a, like a panel or something and maybe we learned what the connection there. Maybe they announced who their first director was. Hang on a second. Is, is it not possible that this gal was brought on to write a new video game? Which also would be pretty exciting for fans. Maybe, what if this no. is not a movie? What if it's a game? Well, no. The reports is that it's a movie. It's a trilogy. Okay. Uh, and also, there's no benefit in doing that, uh, in rewriting those video games. No, I don't mean like I don't mean like remaking a game, but you know, people do want a sweet Jedi video game. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't think they're going to be going down that road until they hear a little bit more about um, Jedi Fallen Order that's coming out at the end of the year. Right, okay. And so they probably have some projects already that they're working on that we don't know about. Um, but no, I, th I think this is movie-wise. Okay, all right. Uh, other than that, we have the Vanity Fair. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a bit of reveal it on was. the rise of skywalker and also it was a little while ago um but we saw some amazing shots so there's one of kylo and ray fighting on top of what looks to be part of the death star yeah. on Endor. uh there's like there's even maybe even something in between them there's like this kind of smoky fog so maybe they tried to like maybe they pulled something out of the photo they could be actually fighting someone else they might not even be fighting each other in this one right it's very cool 
we see a shot of the Knights of Ren, finally getting to see them in daylight as opposed to rain or cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is conveniently one of the Knights of Ren out of the shot, the one where you can only see a corner of his helmet. He just so happens to be the one who was fig- was featured as kind of the lead Knight of Ren on many concept art designs, mm-hmm. and the one I'm convinced is Matt Smith. Right. Uh, I know that's just a ridiculous theory that I'm dead convinced this specific Knight of Ren is Matt Smith, <laughs> but I figure why not go all in on like one of them? You I go mean, all in on all your theories. You know how often you say you're a hundred percent convinced? No, there's just no way this isn't happening. No, I don't ever say that. Now I will <laughs> often say that like there's like there's, I'll definitely hyperbolize, uh, and I will say that I started um, kind of a broad tree diagram for all the possibilities of the rise of skywalker right and they go like by characters and in theory just trying to figure out all the possible questions and linking things up what are the common themes and what are the things that really connect every piece together and so that's been that's been fun to try and see i will have to say uh, vader's helmet and vader's saber there's one of those really could play a lot of significance sure just in terms of when you connect all of the pieces together the ones that do tie in the most things collectively uh, i think those have probably been the two bigger MacGuffins that i've noticed um to tie in a lot of things so that's exciting also noticing that in some of the concept art this knight of ren had vader's lightsaber yeah that's very interesting yeah that's one that i don't know why more people don't talk about right it's not much of the concept art and maybe it was just drawn on there to be like a Sith lightsaber, right. but none of the concept art has Kylo Ren using a Vader-style lightsaber. No, that's deliberate. It's got to be, but it's only on one, and then all the other concept art has the robes conveniently hiding where a lightsaber would be held. Right. So that's okay. my fun theory on that okay. one. We learn a little bit more about uh, the species. Well, actually, we learned that this desert planet is not anything that we thought. It's, in fact, totally new planet Pasana. Oh, boy. And so this is an interesting thought because George Lucas had made the point, and it's one that scientifically is accurate. Most planets are deserts. Yeah. And so it does make sense. Right. However, one thing that really pisses me off is why is there not different style deserts? And why right. is there not different style, like, atmospheres? Right. Why is the sky not, like, purple or orange? And why is it not, like, a dark, dark sand in certain places? Like, just mess around with your freaking contrast and the cameras. That's right. Get creative. Plus, please bring us back to Tatooine. Yes, bring us back to Tatooine. I also do think that we're going to go back to Tatooine. Yeah. I think that they just shot both there. Yeah, probably. And that that's part of the reason as to why we're getting Pasana is that we're, it's kind of a bit of a throw-off, like, oh, we're not going to get Tatooine after all, but right. we end up actually getting Tatooine. Or going back to my weird Jakku theory, maybe Pasana is another language for Tatooine. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You did have that theory about Jakku being a, a, just a, a different word for being Tatooine. That would yeah. be interesting. I mean, it's also the other thing is, like, it, it could it could just be, I don't know how big Tatooine is, but, like, Maybe just different sections of it are populated with different cultures that never coexist. Yeah, but I mean, just when it comes to the maps of the overall galaxy, right. it seems odd that they would have multiple names, Two names for right. the same location and not having mentioned it prior to this point. True. Um, but they have the Aki Aki, which is the native species there. So there could be a reason as to why they needed to go to a new place with a different type of species. Uh, that could be a, a play there, or maybe there is going to be some form of like mass extinction or wipeout that involves they didn't want to kill everyone on Tatooine. Who right. knows? 
we see a picture of Carrie Russell's character, Zori Bliss, yep. on Thieves' Quarters. Uh, and this is kind of a snowy, dusted world. We don't really know anything other of, of anything else about this character. Okay, that's we fine. We know that she's roguish. Uh, I have a strong hunch that she is not going to be in the main plot line. Okay. My plot, uh, my hunch is that she actually is just going to be in flashback. Uh. And so there is also one that I've I've not heard a single person theorize about this yet, and I, I it was fun to kind of think of. She is dressed in purple. Mm-hmm. Her code name in like casting was Mara. Mm-hmm. The character Mara Jade had a purple lightsaber. Had purple lightsaber. Had, was a redhead. Definitely looked like Carrie Russell. Ooh. And so the character of Mara Jade, there's no way in hell. We're not getting Mara Jade. Mara Jade was Luke Skywalker's wife and a Jedi. Right. But she was something else. She was the Emperor's hand. She was the Emperor's secret assassin who carried out final missions for her, and she went rogue on her final mission after the Emperor died, ended up ultimately falling in love with Luke Skywalker. But what if Zori Bliss is the Emperor's hand? and she And she carries out whatever Palpatine's final need is of like the delivery of some item or maybe it's moving ray from one place to another but she does his final bidding for and then maybe goes rogue from there and tells our heroes how to like like find palpatine or something or who knows i love when they can look at the old stuff the old eu and kind of appropriate it to actually suit what they need rather than just gassing it all like like ben solo having been jason solo in Mm -hmm. another world like that's cool well that's what actually a lot of people that is the main reason why a lot of people did the han like that's where the han theory comes from right the han theory comes from ray is is jana solo right she is and it's in any way, shape, or form, they're just trying to fit that in because Ray and Kylo have a relationship that mirrors Luke and Leia's. But it also it's said specifically their bond is deeper than we know. Mm-hmm. That is something that Vanity Fair has said, and so we already knew that Kylo recognizes Ray. It's probably from visions of some sorts, but what their deep connection is, we've yet to figure out. And right. so that's that's exciting. Okay. Other than that, there's uh, not a whole lot. There's Mark Hamill uh, surrounded by fire as Luke Skywalker with R2. Uh, it's been pretty well uh, like linked up online that this is just a re-edit of the last Jedi photo shoot for Vanity Fair. Mark right. Hamill was probably not around uh, and was probably working on something else. And yes, I at- find it a little misleading. I'm not sure why they needed so badly him to be in that, that spread. Uh, it's just what they do. Um, Samuel L. Jackson had a beard. Uh, in the spread in like 20, uh, 20, uh, 2002 for Attack of the Clones. Interesting. So that. it was just one of those things that at the time he was done shooting and he had a beard for another role. Yeah. So they just put him in the shoot yeah, screw with the it. beard. That's kind of fun. And so it's it's one of the... It, it, Vanity Fair is closely linked and so, I mean, you want to put the big stars in there. Right. And it's also not a surprise that Luke is in this movie. We already know that, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Luke has to be in this movie. It's just a matter of... Well, it's confirmed. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, other than that, there's the covers, which are matching covers of Rey and Kylo. There's supposed to be a hidden meaning in them. Uh, we do see the fact that this, it appears the sun is rising on Rey and setting on Kylo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mountains in the background that kind of align for it to be a bit of a yin and yang. Uh, that is the translation of the yin and yang symbol. Like yes, as well. symbol or whatever Yeah, it is. I, I looked it up and it was yeah. uh, like 
the visual depiction is of mountains relating to in those specific sun setting. Right. And there's also a whole slew of yin and yang things that align with them and the prime Jedi. And we so, felt that with the last Jedi. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, but like the prime Jedi symbol even just, it's so obvious. And then between the two, the darkness rises and light to meet it and all that crap. So Absolutely. It's very interesting as to what could come from there. Uh, last photo just want to mention is Naomi Aki and uh, Finn looking like total badasses on some Orbox, uh, which are a new horse-like alien that you ride in the Star Wars universe. And these things are super freaking cool. Yeah. They're like if Fathiers were actually cool <laughs> and remotely useful, although I still think that should have been a pod race yes. on Canto Bite. Yes. But uh, yeah, these are badass. And I have to say, Janna looks like a super cool character. She does. Yeah. The cape definitely makes me think some Lando connection. But there's also some rumors around there that could be... Uh, Finn familial connection and that Finn maybe maybe does find his people that he was stolen from. I hope he does. That would be actually a nice closure for his character. It would be a very interesting closure and one that could is not really one that's discussed. I mean, no, well, there's not a lot of mystery about Finn. Well, and that's part of it. He's he's found who he is in this movie. Yeah, uh, and everything that I've gathered, Finn is going to be a player. Yeah, cool. Finn is going to really because when you think about it, is he going to end up with Rose? Ray? Uh, Jana, maybe? Yeah. Somebody else? Poe? <laughs> Who knows? It's true. He's very He eligible. also is probably, next to Poe and Kylo, the most likely person to die. I don't know. We already talked about how it would be I, weird I, for him to die now. I do agree. I think Poe will be the one to die. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but if it's not him, I'd be surprised for them all to live. Me too. That would be weird. But then again, you could kill Ben Solo and keep the three guys alive. Well, let's characters. not rule out the very strong likelihood that Ben Solo could be killed. Well, yeah, I wasn't counting him in that regard. Ben right. Solo has very good chance of dying. That's yeah. mutually exclusive from the Poe thing. Definitely. But there's no way all four of them live. That's 0%. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Is that it? Is that all we got? That is all we got. I want to say happy birthday this past Sunday, June 1st, to Gareth Edwards. Oh, nice. Uh, this coming Saturday, the 7th, a happy birthday to Liam Neeson. And Dave Filoni. They share a birthday. Oh, that's cool. And next Monday, June 9th, happy birthday to Natalie Portman. Awesome. Okay, uh, if you have any thoughts on this week's podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we can't say rate and review on iTunes anymore because iTunes no longer exists, but there's still podcast apps, so uh, rate and review uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to be caught up to where we are for uh, next week's podcast, watch the first 40 minutes of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and until we're together again, may the Force be with you.